This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. The deal you've been waiting for is on now. Ford employee pricing. Details at MetroMotors.com. Time to go rink-wide on TSN 1040. Now, here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to Rink-Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. Two hours of the best hockey talk in the city. We will get interactive with you guys today. You can text us at 104040. Email live at tsn1040.ca if you want to get involved in some hockey talk with us. Before we drop the puck on the bigger stories that are happening around the city, JD, we did have our little crossover there, kind of got things uh, well off our chest a little it, bit. It was an amoosh-boosh yes, of this show. exactly. Um, but some of the bigger stories of the week include the, uh, the NHL moving into Phase 2, which we'll talk about uh, in just a moment, as well as the Canucks and perhaps what their lineup's going to look like when they do face the Minnesota Wild in the qualifying round is now what we're being called. Not the play-in series anymore. The qualifying round as the Canucks face All off fake. against uh, the Wild in a, a best-of-five series. Um, the NHL announced that the rest of the series are going to be you know, as is. It's going to be like a true NHL playoffs with four rounds, seven uh, round, um, game matchups. What do you think about the, the best-of-five? I don't think we've actually talked about this. We talked about the opponent in the Wild, but what are your thoughts on the best of five? Because these types of series, they can go quick. Like You can they all of a sudden sure find yourself down can. two buzz and, whoa, next thing you know, your back's up against the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of one of those situations where the team with the better goaltender is, is, is going to get the uh, betting odds in their favor right yeah. off the hop, I yeah. think. And in a series this small, goaltending can really really kind of changed the dynamics of something. I think uh, special teams as well is going to be a huge factor because, I mean, these are the instances that can kind of help a team overcome a poor or lackluster five-on-five profile, right? And, of course, the idea there is that as the sample increases, your warts are going to become more apparent, but you don't really have that opportunity in a best-of-five series. It's five games. Whoever shows up, shows up, and and it's kind of almost NFL-esque, right? And hockey, even over bigger samples, is one of the most luck-driven sports on the planet, you take that sample and you dilute it down to five games, five games maximum, and I think it's going to make for some really interesting results. And, you know, Money Puck, uh, they put out their model, and it shows, for example, that the Minnesota Wild have a 60-40 edge over the Canucks. How does one square that circle? I don't know. I'm trying to get them on the show, and hopefully we can get them to talk about their model because I think we could have a really interesting conversation there. We're going to have the Evolving Wild Twins on the show, both of them. Both of them. Both Josh and Luke, uh, trying to figure out what their last names are. I'll, I'll get I'll get back to everybody on that. I just know them as Juke. I, I, I DM with them all the time. They've got horrible food takes, but they do some really great stuff in the hockey sphere. Looking forward to getting their perspective on that. I mean, ultimately, I'm just going to keep redounding to the opinion that I've held like from the start of this, which is basically that everything is going to be fake and laden with like you know a hundred different asterisks for a thousand different reasons, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I get why they have to try and make this work, and all the power to them. I hope they find a way to do so in a way that maintains the integrity of the sport as much as is humanly possible. When they when they say integrity of of the sport, like I get it, they they kind of had to have the, the the four seven game series, but like you think the players like the players are going to play like 
I, I think if I saw, like, I kind of scoff at that if I was a player. I'd be like, integrity? Hey, listen, I'm going to go out and play my ass off and hopefully win a Stanley Cup here. So you can tell me about integrity all you want, but I'm still going to give it my all. Yeah, I mean, like, power to them, I suppose. It's, I, I mean, they're, they are athletes, right? And I think that's what's going to make this really interesting is the dynamic of hockey players and how much they're willing to play through what sort of, you know, instances of of injury and illness they're willing to kind of put their bodies through to succeed in the playoffs or the highest level of that right like mm-hmm. you had jeff carter playing in the stanley cup final i think about 10 years ago on two broken foot yeah. two two broken feet rather yeah. sorry plural uh so it's going to be interesting to see how they square that circle with you have to sit out because you have a runny nose yeah you know what i mean yeah. like you're, you're telling somebody who you know, and again, this isn't a novel observation. A lot of people have made this point, but you're telling people who basically have played this sport this way their entire careers where they are willing to play on broken limbs and they won't remove parts of their equipment in game because if they do so, they won't be able to get it back on. And now you're telling them a sore throat and they're out of the, who was the it, hockey game. Who was it uh, that, that famously had like half, like a, a, a chunk of their finger off? Like uh, Ryan Kessler. Or no, 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 I, I know who you're thinking of. So Kessler had a broken finger uh, during the playoff series against the Anaheim Ducks, and he told them to cut it off. Oh, my. Of, of course, they did <laughs> I not. I don't think he would want that. Yeah, On second I, thought, cooler, that was a bad idea. Cooler heads prevailed. <laughs> uh, thankfully, cooler heads prevailed. But, uh, you know, there was also the incident where Mark Mathot had a chunk of his finger. Yeah, Mark Mathot. Cut off was, yeah. by Sidney Crosby. Was that Sidney Crosby? Yes, yeah. And, yeah. oh, that was ugly. Yes. Oh, that was yeah. nauseating. Also, we have an update. Oh. Yes, that would be Josh and Luke Youngren. Youngren. There we go. You know, I always thought they looked like a pair of Youngren. Yeah, a couple of Youngrens right there. Yeah. As mentioned, Harmon Dow is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, and now Josh and Luke. Lundgren. Lundgren? Youngren. 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 There we go. We got it right. From EvolvingHockey.com, one of the advanced stats uh, websites uh, that's available. Uh, Later on in the show as well, we have an open segment. We'll see what we do. Might effort to get somebody on with us, but um, at the same time, uh, maybe we'll keep it open to you guys. The boss is calling me right now. That's got to be... uh, Interesting at one ten in the afternoon. The is is Trev calling. actually? The boss is actually calling me right now. So oh, you're you're in real trouble. Uh, I'm in now. trouble. Uh, apparently, I'm in trouble. This is great. I love how this dynamic has shifted. Yeah, like, like I haven't gotten in trouble. Everyone used to hate you. Yeah, I know. Trevor used to constantly pull you into the office. Yeah. Now I'm being told I'm I'm nothing unless I'm with you. Well, and I've been, I got Trev calling saying, me in the middle of a show. I have been saying that for years. Yeah years yeah. i've been saying that since before we even had a show together all right whatever hey croaker let's drop the puck time to drop the puck and get updated on the top stories of the past week okay so as mentioned the nhl is moving into phase two of its return to play plan uh what is that well on monday facilities technically can open and up to six players can be training uh, with one another at uh, any given time. Um, 
but also it's voluntary. So you don't necessarily have to go to your home city. You can stay where you are right now if that's better for you, if, uh, if it's more safe for you uh, to be training uh, that way. Um, the Canucks have three players in town right now, and Sarah Valley, Frank Sarah Valley from TSN is reporting that uh, it looks like the Canucks will wait at least another week before they open the facility. If you're in Sweden right now, you know, you're a player in Sweden, you've been skating for a while, you've been skating with a lot of NHL players as well. <laughs> yeah, you've been just skating sense, with a lot right? of COVID-19. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of that in Sweden right now. I got, I, I got an update. Oof, yeah. My heart was pounding there for a little bit. Am this, I fired? Yeah, you're fired. I'm staying. And uh, now Croker is now the new co-host of Rink Wide. Welcome, Croker. Hell yeah. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, got plenty yeah. of NHL tape. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, apparently his uh, daughter was playing with his phone. I, I, I saw a FaceTime call come after the missed call. Oh, uh, okay. So, but you got you to gotta think too, though, right? Like, that means I'm top of his phone. Oh, yeah. You're, right? I'm, I'm number one. Yeah, that's uh, that's on never a good thing. boss's phone. That's never a good thing. Uh, you should know. Uh, also, with this, um, what got announced this week, not only are they going to do the full seven-game series for the first through the Stanley Cup, but also, J.D., they came to their senses. They're going to reseed after every round. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely, and, I do, and I'm not just saying this. Croker, get ready. Because I'm a Leafs fan. Holy right? Like, Are you going to be playing the Bruins? <laughs> I don't know. Might not have to at this point. Now, let's keep oh, in mind. Oh, so you have a chance. But let, exactly. <laughs> let's keep in mind, though, that there is going to be a shuffling amongst the, or there could be at least, amongst the four teams that are essentially in the playoffs right now. They're going to play a round robin as well, and then that will get reseeded if the games fall out that way. You with me here? You look a little confused. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, good. just. Do you, do you like that? I love it. I think it's fantastic. I hate the bracket. The bracket's terrible. Sure. What do you mean, sure? <laughs> I mean, like, I, that's... But, like, like I have but held JD, consistently you take, you that take, my position is that all of this is fake. No, it's not. It's not. It is. I, it's not. JD, the regular season needs to mean something. When you have one division that is weighted so heaven, heavily with teams that are, you know, where they are in the standings... Yeah. Like, that's not right. You can't have, and then having lesser teams be able to get through an easier path, so to speak. The reseeding's right. They did it right. The NHL finally did something right. I can't stand the bracket. I get, I get, you're so not with me. You're just being an asshole right now. No, I'm with you. I just like, (laughs) I have held firm that my position is this is all all because. None of it matters. Well, like, I, oh, sorry, you mean it's fake because of the NHL and the and that we're not going to play? Is that what you're getting at? Well, I mean, there. I is, thought you were trying to say because I want to avoid the Bruins. No, no, ah. I'm not even. Ah. I'm not even being a dick on that front okay. for once. Okay. What I am saying is there is a pandemic happening right now. <laughs> they just cut their season short uh, yeah. with all of the teams at different numbers of games played. Yeah. They're going to be returning to rinks in <laughs> August. And only 24 of the teams are returning, some of which barely had 500 records, and they have a shot at the playoffs. It's all fake. All of it. Yeah, it is pretty rinky-dink. It's, it's, it's very NHL. It's very but NHL. But that's, that's fine. I'm not criticizing them at all. But, like, like, I love the people that are like, oh, man, if Carey Price gets on a heater. Well, Carey Price had, what, 70-something games to get on a heater this year? <laughs> like, or whatever he well, played. I mean, he Arpon probably played made, two-thirds of them. Yeah, well, Arpon made a pretty good point, which is that he really picked up steam after a terrible November. Yeah, but, 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 okay, but, but, but JD, like, where's everybody going to be at right now? Yeah, Every well, player right now is, we don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, 
that's why I'm saying it's all fake. <laughs> so are you the like guy the attrition aspect of the season is completely wiped out of the the um wiped out of this occasion of hockey because all of these teams like Jacob Markstrom would have been healthy for what maybe the last eight games of the Canucks season, and then he would have had to nurse that injury going into the playoffs. And 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 you go up and down the NHL. There's so many different instances. Like whether it's for the benefit of the NHL or the detriment, this is woven into the fabric of the sport. There is an attrition aspect that every single team has to fight over the course of the year. That's taken out of the equation, and now you've got teams like the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean. This is actually really harmful. This is bad. The Chicago Blackhawks are so delusional. They think they're a good team. <laughs> Why are you encouraging this behavior? Yeah, well, it's like I said. Uh, and You know, it's funny. I was on the golf course uh, twice this week at Northlands. Thank you to Gary and Curtis, as always. Uh, they just like my tweets, so they probably would have preferred if I was at their yeah, golf Yeah, probably. Course. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the rounds are only four hours allowed to be long, right? Like, we, you know, we can't be waiting eight hours for you to get around the track, right? Oh, so I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm going for a walk. I'm vibing. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So there was a, there's one of the guys that works there at, uh, at Northlands. He's one of the, uh, greenskeepers and he has a Habs sweater on pretty much every time I see him there. And I mentioned to him, I said, Hey, listen, you're a Habs fan. Like, uh, just, you know, would you, do you want to be in this qualifying round or would you rather the, the draft pick? And he right away said, dude, we got 24 cups. What the hell do I care about this qualifying round? We need our team to get back to, you know, being a good team. Not just a team that might scrap out a qualifying round win, dump a good draft pick, and then eventually lose out in the first round, right? Yeah, but also, but also another point that Arpon Basu made, and I mean, I guess some of us listen more closely to our guests than others. Uh, apparently, I listen to Arpon. I I, I I like Arpon. He was good stuff. No, he was great. I'm just I'm just razzing you. Yeah. But um, one of the points he made was that they can't strip it down to brass tacks because there's no moving Carey Price. There is no moving Shea Weber, and they're only getting older. Okay, but why don't you then take that year that while they're getting older to get that younger player in so that two, maybe three years from now, as they get older, they might even still be able to milk something out yeah, of this. Yeah, but you're talking You're not going to milk anything out of this if you lose in the first round. difference of like four to five spots in the draft. It doesn't make a huge difference. Sure it that. does. What if they win the lottery? They can, they're still, well, though, the way this draft is laid Sorry, out, oh my. Do you mean what if placeholder team yeah, wins the lottery? I mean, yeah. Again. It's so weird because they could just have phase one and two at once. Like, they could just wait for that to end. But we should uh, get on to another item here because I, I know that Trev is watching our oh, clock managing that's right. very closely. Let's hear the whistle then. Uh, what else we got? Okay, uh... We're going to dive into the Canucks lineup, so let me skip over that because we'll talk to Harmon Dial about that. Um, although pretty interesting, I do see a name missing from this list right now as I scan through Sven it. Sven Berchi. Also, Michael Furland. Yeah, well, I, he's like one swift breeze away from never being able to play hockey again. So uh, We're efforting as we say here in the is efforting even a word yeah, yeah. it is right yeah. uh, we're efforting uh, to try and get uh, michael furlan's agent for next week on the station probably with the Carison price though he's actually in a remote location right now i uh, wanted to get him on today but uh the phone line might not have been the greatest but well you uh, have to understand too like when it comes down to it who are the real reporters at tsn 1040 i think the best reporter in the world is matt sakaris so he's got to get the best guests as well I mean, he's been on the front lines of this COVID-19 story, leading the province, and I, for one, applaud him. Uh, well, 
It depends, though, because Matt will not be on the show, or at least on his own show. Oh, that's right. On Monday or Thursday. Although I said to Tom Manek in our crossover between Sports Saturday and, and, and the Sport Market, I don't really get a break from Sakaris this week. <clears throat> I don't. He's with me Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Hell yeah. Right? By the way, crossover week next week, guys. If you're wondering why uh, I said that uh, Matt's not going to be on the show, it's because he will spend one day on the morning show, one day yeah, in the you know afternoon what? I'm or uh, midday show. I'm dropping the puck on, on Trevor for dropping the ball and not getting me involved in crossover week. The people demand it. Demand well, it. Well, I thought of this idea. I thought there should be... In deafening numbers. I thought there should be two heels that should just show up. Uh, you know, doesn't know, we, we don't tell what show, just the producer knows. And then, you know, like, Dolly Wall comes in. They're like, by God, is that yeah. Dolly Wall's music? Oh, you know, J.D. Like, Burke has got the best sideburns in the business. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, and then, oh, no, is that J.D. Burke coming in? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a question in the text inbox from Canuck in Surrey. All right. Pleasure to meet you, Canuck. It says, what is Nikita Tramcon up to? Yeah, I don't know who uh, Nikita Tramcon is, but Nikita Triamkin uh, uh, is... Being bad at hockey. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what. His, I think his age... <laughs> being bad at hockey. I think his agent is... Uh, has been blowing up Dolly Wall's phone quite a bit because every time Dolly Wall comes on the station here, seems like he's going to get a cut of the Triamkin <laughs> contract well, I just love wherever he signs because, boy, he's really pumping the tires. But uh, Canuck and Surrey, he's, he's looking for an NHL contract. Uh, the belief is he wants to get out of the KHL. There's some that believe he wants to come to Vancouver again. Who knows? But honestly, they're not going to have salary cap for Nikita Triamkin. Yeah, you say that now, but just wait until they move Troy Stetcher to make it happen. Oh, boy. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it's it. It's so funny because every time the Canucks, like, there was a piece by a writer from Redacted uh, this week where he basically was like, I think Chris Tannen is going to remain a van- uh, member of the Canucks through next season. And he goes, I think that Troy Stetcher is up for risk. And it's like, this team is so obsessed with getting rid of Troy Stetcher. Have you noticed this? Like, anytime we get an inside peek behind the curtains, it's like, well, we're out of salary cap space. We have to murder Troy Stetcher. <laughs> you know, like, we have to launch Troy Stetcher from a circus cannon into a brick wall. It's, uh, guys, we don't have any other options. We have uh. to kill him. It's like, he's good. He is. He's affordable. He's young. He, I think there's a legitimate he's case Richmond. that he is one of your best Right shot defenseman. Not only that, but he put out an actually really great statement this week in response. Well, to I'm going to get to that, that in just a moment. But before we pivot to that, um, Tanov was quoted. Dolly Wall was on the station yesterday and said that Tanov was quoted as saying his main focus is staying here and perhaps just signing a one-year deal to see what the landscape looks on the other side. All right. Speaking of NHL players that uh, uh, spoke out this week, uh Elias Pettersson is a perfect angel, and we need to protect him. Yes. Elias Pettersson had, at 21 years old, had a better perspective than Drew Brees did. We need to protect this kid at all costs. Yeah. I will lay down my life for yeah. Elias Pettersson. You know what? His his statement checked off all the boxes. It sounded authentic. Like, if you looked at the verbiage, it aligned yeah. with how Elias Pettersson speaks, which is to say not perfect English. But that's good. That's good. Authentic is good. He used the word murder. He called out the police. He didn't give us some milk-toke lib nonsense about we need unity and to not be divisive, right? And let's be real. When somebody says don't be divisive, what they're saying is ignore the class structures and racial structures that make your life actively worse because it's inconvenient for me. Anyway, I loved Elias Pettersson's statement. It hit all the right notes. 
He is a perfect angel, and my case for him as the heart candidate this year just got a little stronger. Still maintaining that, eh? Hey, the Evolving uh, Wild Twins are going to take my side. Okay, cool. Uh, we uh, Do you got a last name for them yet? Okay. Uh, Mike Wheeler. We went through this. Youngren. <laughs> Youngren. I'm just kidding with you. He calls me up this morning. Yeah, I got the guys from Evolving Wild, Evolving Hockey. Okay, what's their last name? Dude, it's never nothing. Heard, it's never nothing. occurred to anybody to ask them. It's just their juke. <laughs> uh, producer, producer 101, know the person's last name that you're booking. I'm not a producer. <laughs> I am an artist, and hockey is my medium. I am an artist. If you just go by the first name, you might put someone else on air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Else. Hey, is this Luke? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we got Harbin on the other side. Okay, hold on, though. We got to get the rest of this, though. Uh, Blake Wheeler, Tyler Sagan, P.K. Subban, or Ty- Tyler Subban. Did I say Tyler Subban? Tyler no. Sagan. P.K. Subban. That, put the two together. You can see how you can mix it up. Uh, Logan Couture. I just, you know, across the NHL. Um, the one, one, one thing that, that came to mind here, and bear with me, guys, because I'm not trying to put these guys on blast, but where was the rest of the league when Akeem Alou came out with all – the accusations towards... I'll put them on blast. I did put them on blast. You had these NHLers going off on Jess Allen for a false equivalency. Okay. We went through this already. Yeah. But also, we've also also talked about empathy, and we've also talked about writing mistakes of your past. And maybe the players understand that now. And I'll give them that. Really? Because I guarantee you that every one of those absolute mutants (laughs) who took the Jess Allen situation seriously, like... Oh, no, she said a mean thing about the hockey. I bet you every one of those freaks has remained silent while this moment has carried forth. All right. I tried to keep it PG here, but uh, that that makes it – that's interesting, too, because I want to get to something. You know what? I'll find it. We'll get to it on the other side. We've got to get to Harmon and talk some more. He's been doing some excellent work. He's been breaking down how they're going to rebuild the blue line, looking at the draft, looking at options and free agency and trades. And you know what? You're going to catch him on TSN 1040 rink-wide on the other side of the break. Vancouver, your voice for Vancouver Sports. This is Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watt. I'm back on the music. Oh, you're not going to bring us back from break because you threw us to break. Rink Wide on TSN 1040. These are your hosts, J.D. Burke, right okay, here. Hold on. No, just Going stop. off on the mic. Take two. Cut. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. J.D. Burke alongside Andrew Wadden. Two hours of the best hockey talk in the city. Harmon Dial coming up from the Athletic in Vancouver. Yeah, what he the, might hell, be, are, he might what the hell are we it. listening to anyway? What is Aesop Rock. Okay. This is a great song. It's you a single did, off did, of one did, of his newer albums. Okay, I just ask him. Yeah, well, ask Is there swearing? No. You don't know? I, I asked Croker to look uh, into it. A couple of pretty... <laughs> I like these replies in the inbox. Right after Tanev made the comments about wanting to stay in Vancouver, he heard his vocal cords out two to three weeks. Time to cut the cord with him and yes, Stetcher. Oh, and yes, Stetcher has to go. Why? Whoa, Jack and Coquitlam. I love that until the Stetcher part. Why did people have like such an eagerness to get rid of Troy Stetcher? I don't know. Well, we can ask Carmen Dial about that. We'll get to him in just a yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I hope... Uh, I like this as well. Leaf and Van Sakaris needs you, Wadden. You are the Bobby the Brain Heenan to his Mr. Perfect act. <laughs> Andrew. That would be the most millennial oh, thing ever. Oh, man. That is so good. That is so good. All right. Let's bring Harmon into the conversation now. Uh, yeah, that's right, Croker. Bring him up. Harm, how you doing, man? 
Pretty good, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not I too heard bad. that you've, uh, or actually, I didn't hear because I was in the chat. I saw that you trimmed your crisis oh, goatee yes. a bit. Yeah, what's? Yeah. Can you get us an update on the crisis goatee? That's Where's right. that? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's finally looking uh, neat and, and tidy. Before that, it was uh, really unruly. I mean, you can imagine three months of um, just the hair on my head and on my face, just not touching it at all, and um, kind of like a chia pet. As myself, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I got the cut yesterday, and I really couldn't even recognize myself uh, when I looked at myself in the mirror after. But uh, honestly, surprised. I think um, I think it turned out. I think it turned out okay. How far down does like the the crisis goatee go? Like, did you get really down the neck there? Like, real Mike Gillisy? No, my my neckline. Like, I've for me, um, I'll get it like obviously below the chin, but I've never actually gotten much neck hair. Okay, so <laughs> like, it it really doesn't go down that far. All right, there's your uh, bi-weekly update of Harmon Dial's <laughs> crisis goatee. Hey, Harmon, where are you at with Troy Stetcher? Now that it's become a part of today's conversation, where are you at with him? Do you think the Canucks should make an effort to keep him um, if they perhaps move on from Chris Tandavis? Or has Tom got to you? Yeah. Like, are, are you saying that they need another Tyler Myers? No, I, I mean, look, you have to examine the, the Canucks' situation, and um, I, I think the cap... Um, complexity that they face and and just the lack of room that they have. Um, I mean, we're talking about uh, a club that's not going to be able to afford to bring back all three of Marks from Toffoli and Tanev. And um, if you look at it through that lens, you're going to have to find efficiency somewhere on the roster. And when you have a player like Troy Stetcher, I'd argue that this was probably a down year for him. But all things considered, when you look at his Vancouver tenure, he's shown throughout the years that, I mean, Think about the narrative that surrounds him every year in terms of the fact that uh, he'll start the year on, on a bottom pairing and, and before you know it, he's playing top four minutes and holding his own. And I think that's all you really need from a player of Stetcher's caliber because, look, if you want to bring back Markstrom, you want to bring back Toffoli, uh, if Tanev goes because he's going to be an expensive ticket, you obviously need someone to fill in that second pair um, RD slot. And ideally, you'd bring in someone... Uh, from from the trade market, but that's going to be a difficult endeavor to do without removing a significant piece off uh, your current roster. And you look at your other options. I mean, Nikita Triamkin isn't going to be isn't going to be the answer. Um, you've got Brogan Rafferty. I like his game, but uh, he's 25 years old, and and really, really, he he's not at the point where I don't see a top four defenseman in Rafferty. Maybe he'll surprise me, but I think he's going to be more um, more he's going to be more suited for a bottom pairing capacity. And you have a guy in Stetcher who um, he's local, so you can probably get him on some type of a hometown discount. Um, if you can get him somewhere around $2 million and you have a guy who um, can be a 4-5 defenseman and, and fill that second pairing slot in a pinch, then I think the team's way better off. And um, I just don't see many other uh, compelling alternative options. So um, if I'm in Vancouver's position, uh, if you can't fill in that second pair right-handed slot, then absolutely it makes a lot of sense to bring to try and bring Stetcher back. We're t- speaking to Harmon Dial from the Athletic in Vancouver.
Harmon, I'm just looking over your latest article here, the uh, projecting the Canucks 32-man roster for when the NHL returns to play. If you haven't checked it out on the Athletic Vancouver yet, you really should. Harmon is carrying Tom on his back, really making the publication <laughs> shine, if you ask me. Anyway, I could really tell that you put a lot of thought into this one and really kind of took the lead because I quite enjoyed it. I gave you a green smiley face. And one of the things that I noticed with this article is you look at that forward depth, and if you squint hard enough, with all the healthy pieces coming back, right? This yeah. group looks like it's as good as it's been in a long time. Do you think it's good enough to compete with a team like the Minnesota Wild that kind of profiles similarly? You know, they might not have the high end that the Canucks do, but if you go lines one through four, there's some really good quality on that team. Do you think the Canucks have the depth up front to stand up to the Minnesota Wild? Look, I think when it comes to uh, forward depth up front, it's going to be a difficult challenge. I think, as you mentioned uh, and alluded to, Vancouver's strength in in this sort of matchup is the elite talent that they have at every position. I mean, um, having players of Elias Pettersson, uh, Brock Besser, JT Miller, uh, and Tyler Toffoli's caliber. I mean, you look at Minnesota's roster, um, it's it's essentially, you see a group of very talented middle six forwards throughout the lineup, but you don't have any game breakers. Um, Kevin, Kevin Fiala, who really came alive in the second half of the season, is the only player on Minnesota that, that kind of scares you as a player that can take a game over. And so really it's going to be uh, a matchup between uh, elite talent and, and depth. And uh, I think a lot of it, as far as the Canucks, um, as far as how deep their lineup is going to be, it's going to be contingent, I think, on whether Josh Levo and Michael Furland are back because those are two players who uh, they they can they, they're plug and play options in your top nine, particularly Levo with his ability to uh, push two way play. I think that would be a huge benefit because you look at kind of the current projection uh, alongside Adam Goddard, you're really left. To to choose between Brandon Sutter and, and Jake Vertanen. And um, I think when you look at Vertanen, it's tough to see a scenario where Green would really trust that line because in Goddard and Vertanen, you have two players that um, have shown that they have defensive deficiencies. So, I mean, currently we've got Sutter pegged in that hole. Obviously, Levo would be uh, a huge uh, boost to have there instead. So I think if you add Levo there, now all of a sudden, especially if someone like Antoine Roussel can return to form, then I think that third line looks a lot better. And then, of course, you've got Bertanen to add some speed on that fourth line. So I think this group looks a lot better um, when you have a healthy Josh Levo in particular. Um, and But really, it's going to come down to can the Canucks' top two lines uh, create enough to, to, to really outlast the wild depth? It's, it's going to be elite talent versus depth. What do you think the chances of Levo and or Furland coming back are? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I'm much more optimistic on Levo. I think, um, I mean, I haven't done uh, a ton of sort of, I haven't made a lot of calls on this or anything like yeah, that, but yeah. um, I, it sounds like he obviously had a little bit of a setback um, in, in his recovery, but just given how far things are, um, I mean, we could conceivably still be two months away from from a return to action. So he's still got a ton of time left to rehab. Um, maybe uh, I'm I'm obviously just throwing an arbitrary figure out there, but maybe that's a fifty fifty. I think with Furland, I'm a lot more skeptical because we've seen uh, a few false starts there where um, 
we remember the Leafs game. I want to say it was in December where he came back, played a few shifts, and, and had to leave. And then uh, we thought he was healthy in February or March again when he did his conditioning stint down in Utica. And, and same sort of thing where um, after a few shifts, he, he's out of action. So uh, I think Furland is a lot more difficult to try and count on, especially given how um, it, it's just hard with the concussion, right? Um, and so I'm hesitant to put a little bit uh, of a timeline on him, but Levo, the, the other question is, and, and I'm going to be really curious to see as well, is is Levo, when he comes back, going to have a stretch like Roussel, where it takes uh, time for him to get to get back up to speed? Because um, in, inevitably, when you miss that much game time, you're going to be a little bit slow coming back. And when you look at Josh Levo's game, we know that uh, he, he's at his peak when he's moving his feet because he's not the best skater. Uh, he has to, he, he really has to, it's, it's similar to how JT Miller talks about his game in terms of um, always got to uh, keep moving. And, and with Levo, I do worry when you're talking about a uh, major knee injury, how that may affect his skating. So maybe he's not up to par, maybe he's not 100%. Um, so even with him, like it is a bit of a question mark as to a whether he comes back and, and b when he does come back, is he going to be a hundred and ten percent healthy and give you the type of production he did early in the season where he projected uh, as a quality middle six forward. What about on the defense now? Looking at your pairings, Jordy Ben would be the odd man out. You got Fantenberg with Tyler Myers there. What about the chances of Brogan Rafferty finding his way? somehow into that six would it just take injury you think before that would happen because i mean you know the right shot thing might be an issue as well yeah um i think it's hard to see rafferty getting that type of uh chance i mean he he he's got what two games of nhl experience yeah. and um obviously with with his game you know what he's bringing bringing to the table offensively but um away from the puck there, it's not that you necessarily have any worries about him, but you just haven't seen how he defends at the NHL level yet. I mean, there's a chance he could be perfectly competent for a third-pair role, but we just don't know that yet. And I think when you're talking about a playing series where the leverage and the stakes are so high, that's not the type of gamble you want to be taking. Um, and even though Travis Green likes to have uh, a right shot um, option playing the right side, uh, you look at someone like George Ben. There was one game in Arizona where he played the right side, and that was by far the best game of his season. He was so much more comfortable moving the puck up the ice, uh, closing his gaps in the neutral zone. He looked like a completely different player. And uh, obviously, that experiment only lasted one game because um, Tyler Myers ended up coming back into the lineup. But you have another option there in Ben, who even in Montreal. Um, you, you talk to anyone who covered the team there, they they said that Ben played a lot better uh, on the right side. So I think um, if I were in Travis Green's shoes, as much as Rafferty's skill set is enticing, I think you have to go with what you know um, in terms of a play-in series. And uh, because of that, I think, uh, I think it's going to be hard-pressed for Rafferty to see uh, any action in the series. Arm, as always, uh, great stuff. We'll check in in the next couple of weeks. We'll see where that uh, crisis goatee has, goes uh, then. But thanks for joining us, as always. Easily number one in my <laughs> Athletic Vancouver's uh, guest power rankings. Guest power rankings, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, Arm. Thanks, boys. Yep, take Cheers. care. Thanks. That's Harmon Dahl from the Athletic Vancouver covering the Canucks. Uh, Brogan Rafferty, by the way, uh, if you know, didn't know, 45 points in 57 games. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I just I, I feel like, you know, 
if something drastic happens with in this series, like they get down to Buzz, you know, maybe you maybe you make a try and and get Rafferty into the line. I don't know. You know, maybe like, you jump the shark and uh, you yeah. actually shoot Troy Stetcher out of that cannon before <laughs> the right. off season even I'm, starts. I'm not thinking about. Uh, and, and, and you know he no, brought launch straight into the sun. You know maybe Rafferty might be a bit of a long shot there, but also uh, Jordy Ben. I, I, I don't get. Let's the hesi- see what he can do on the right. Yeah, side. Yeah, like I don't get the hesitation on why they do. don't want to play. Everybody tells us Jordy Ben's a good left shot guy on the right side. Ah, let's play him on the left side. I I, I just like <laughs> he played the right side for one game, and it was his best hockey yeah. game of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the other side, guys, uh, we can get to some of your questions in the inbox and also uh, take a look around uh, the rest of the NHL, kind of take a look at those first matchups that are going to happen in the qualifying rounds. You are listening to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. Now more of Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rinkwide. It's a show that always scores. Andrew Wadden, J.D. Burke here with you right up until 3 o'clock. What, is this Christmas? What is this? No, I hear man, bells. It's, it's Danny Brown, okay. Detroit rapper. He's okay. so cool, man. Uh, like, Do you know if they're swearing in this? Do we need to? Uh, it uh, says clean, so I'm trusting oh, Okay, good. Okay, yeah. Okay. See, I, I was way ahead of this, actually. Thank you very much. So we did say uh, before we broke there that we're going to dive into the inbox. Uh, you particularly want to uh, address something, so I'll let you take the reins here, Mr. Burke. All right. We got Derek in the cockpit. Uh, and uh, he says, I says pardon? Uh, Derek in the cockpit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, text in, the phrase white privilege makes me sick. It paints the picture that only white people are racist. That's not true. White people are discriminated against just the same. (laughs) Case in point, I recently paid $85,000 for school, and they have programs for the same accreditation for people of color, or as I prefer to call them, new Canadians, as zero cost to them. Uh, Actually, I'd like to very quickly redact having ever even said that, because that is a very racist term. I'm trying to read this in real time. People, bear with me. Anyway, he goes on to lament the state of of white people in the current discourse as it relates to racism and i thought of this as an opportunity to try and educate our audience uh pretty weird affect on the way i said educate but anyway derek hear me out on this one hear me out i think that there is some merit to the idea that the way we have framed white privilege is not helpful in the current conversation bear with me bear with me okay i don't think it is a privilege to go through life unabated by the police I don't think it is a privilege to go through life and not have your life threatened based on the way that you look. I think that is a human right. Yeah. And when we frame it as a privilege, then you're almost trying to imply that there is some sort of guilt that someone should feel for having these advantages to go through life unabated, unmolested by the police. Yeah. Okay? I so I, I actually I get what you're saying, Derek. But where the privilege point steps in is when you get to choose whether you're on the sideline or not. That is the privilege. Because for people of color, that's not a choice that they get to make. It's made for them every day. Yeah. And if you want to talk about the cost that you invested into your schooling, into your program, and, and the fact that Aboriginal and, and people who are new to the country, these populations don't have to pay these same costs, might I also point out to you that if you are of Chinese heritage, you might have paid a head tax valued in the tens of thousands of dollars compared to our modern currency just for the privilege to move to Canada. Or if you were a Japanese immigrant, 
you might have had all of your property expropriated and then have yourself forced into a labor camp through World War II for no difference, uh, for no reason other than the difference of your skin color and your heritage. If you were an Aboriginal population, there are parts of the First Nation world in Canada that still don't have access to clean drinking water. Yeah. Okay? Clean drinking water. Think about that. Is that something that your community directly has ever had to suffer? If you're white, the answer is no, right? Uh, And you can go up and down the list, right? Nobody's asking you to take shame in the fact that you are white. What people are asking you is to use the structural power that you have as being a part of this community to affect change for people who have it even worse than you. Nobody is saying that you've got it great. Nobody is saying that your life is inherently perfect by virtue of your whiteness. Nobody's saying that you're inherently guilty by virtue of your whiteness. What they are saying is that you were afforded a position in our society that people of color are not. And as a result of that, you have the opportunity to affect change that these communities cannot do without your help. And that's why they're asking us for help. They're asking us to join them in this fight, to take the side of people who look different than you, who live different experiences than you. And I might lose people here now. I don't care. Bernie Sanders pointed this out in one of his rallies. He said, are you willing to fight for the person next to you? Are you willing to fight for that person if you don't know them? That is one of the most beautiful political statements of my life. One of the most moving statements of my life. And that's what this is about. Mm. It's not about shaming you. It's about you being there for somebody. It's supposed to be empowering. It's supposed to move you to action. I saw a good quote online, and I'll use it. All lives matter when black lives matter. Well, also, the, the aversion to that statement is just inherently bizarre. I yeah. mean, what, it's it, like black we, lives matter in a vacuum. What's wrong with that? All yeah. they want is to be equal. It's not, they're not putting, you abo- uh, putting themselves above anybody. They want to be on equal ground as well, everybody. Well, what is controversial about, about that statement? Oh, like, oh, that just gets people so riled up. Yeah, You've of course, understand because what everybody... It means. Uh, because everybody thinks that they are the protagonist of their own story, and they can't think outside themselves. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They can't yeah. think outside of and themselves. And that is They're that so is so myopic. That is something that we, you know, as a society, we need we need to yeah the singular focus. It's bigger than just you. Oh, it's so much and, bigger. And there's than just so you. many of us that don't quite understand that, right? You got to look outside, you know, for lack of a better term, your own box. Well, and and that's I'm I'm going to get a little bit manifesto-y right now. Yeah, this this is the segment for it. This is what is upsetting to me when I see people uh, railing against the rioting, when I see people railing against the property damage, and they'll say, well, we would never do this to our own community. What you're saying to me is that... Well, we did it during after the Canucks lost the Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. But what (laughs) you're telling me is that you have so little self-respect that there is no line which these people can cross. These people, and by that I mean the police force, the people who uphold the carceral state, the people who uphold the police state. There is no line that they can cross... That will spur you to action. And you want to talk about who owns these businesses? Okay, that Target in Minneapolis, how many people do you think that were involved in the riot have a stake in that building? Everything has been replaced by chain stores and McMansions. And you're telling me that these people are supposed to feel the same sort of attachment to that as we would a mom and pop shop in our own community? There's 40 million unemployed. They have no ownership in their life. They have no control over the means of their production. They have no control 
over their labor. They have no control over their rent. And you're asking them to take on the burden of this responsibility as if they have a personal stake in these businesses, as if they have a personal stake in the success or failure of Target. What you're telling me is that there is no line that the state can cross for you that will spur you to action. And what you are really aggressive about is the fact that these people have enough self-respect to take to the street to say that enough is enough. You are revealing your own cowardice when you were railing against these people. Yeah, the one line in this text that, that gets me too is white people are discriminated against just the same. No. That's, uh, no, they're not. That's a completely ignorant statement. There's no such thing as white racism. There's no such thing as white discrimination. Oof. I, I can just see the inbox now. Well, you know what? Yeah. Bring it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And hey, listen, I got called. I had three different callers. I believe it was Thursday. Call into the station because they didn't like what Matt and Blake were talking about. Too bad. But I don't like what would, Matt ever talks would, about. Would scre- were screaming at me who answered the phone. So I said, listen, okay, stop screaming. I'll give you a chance to come on the air right now and, 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 and debate your, what you're saying. None of them would. Name calling, hang up. That's it. So we, we are living in the age of the sore loser. Yep. Is what we are. Oh, well, sorry, the sore, 40, the sore winner. The sore at, winner. Look at POTUS 45. Yesterday. Today is a great day for George Floyd. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, well, here's the thing why it's the age of the sore winner. Because it's not enough. If you are a reactionary, that you control all of the most powerful levers of power in the United States. It's not enough that you get all the systemic advantages that you get. In fact, you are so myopic, so self-centered, that it's not enough to have that. When somebody else draws attention to their own plight, you have to put yourself at the center of that, too. You know what? It's got nothing to do with your animus towards these people. It's got to do with the lack of respect that you have for yourself and the desire to put yourself at the front of these situations, even when your presence isn't warranted unless it's as an ally. Well said, Mr. Burke. That was the manifesto for this week, although we didn't play the intro or anything like that. Uh, Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Love it. Uh, guys, on the other side, we're going to go, uh, we're going to talk to the guys from evolvinghockey.com. Uh, Josh and Luke Youngren. I got it right? Youngren? You got, yeah, yeah. You got it. I know right. you, you, you need a little, you need some water. You look a little heated over there. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, but in the inbox, getting some love from Hassan and Burnaby, uh, as well. Hey, keep it locked here, guys. It's the show that always scores rink wide right here on TSN 1040. This is rink wide on TSN 1040. Here's Jenny Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome back to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. JD, Andrew here with you up until 3 o'clock. We're going to talk to Josh and Luke Lundgren. Youngren. Why do I, I keep getting it wrong? Youngren. There we go. I mean, at least you uh, remembered what it is in theory. I want to call him Lundgren, like Dolph. Uh, EvolvingHockey.com, Evolving Wild on Twitter. Uh, get the uh, analytics side of things as far as the Minnesota Wild is concerned. Of course, being mm-hmm. the Canucks uh, qualifying round yep. what? When you talk about them as a unit, they are juke. But okay, when, but when you aggr- uh, address them individually, it's Josh and Luke Youngren. Okay, this is the first time we've had, I believe, two guests on the phone at the same time as I, well. I just so. thought like we're gonna do it. Yeah, I, I just decided I was like we're gonna have Evolving Wild on and we're gonna have Evolving Wild on as in, right. individually, both of them at the same time. Um, if you have missed any of the show, we'll have it up at the end of the show during in podcast form. Head over to uh, wherever you find your podcast and uh, give us a give us a rate and review as well. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback uh, uh, from you guys. We're going to give 
you guys an opportunity to uh, speak to us as well. Phone boards will be open around 2.30. So uh, we see in the inbox uh, getting a little spicy right now. So, uh, yeah, if we're you wanna... getting some texts from Arkansas, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if you do want to get involved uh, in any sort of conversation, uh, whether it's hockey or whether really what's... Uh... A couple of freaks re- telling me to respect the, the final blue line or something. All I don't right, know. all right. Uh, anyway, phone boards, 2.30. We'll get to uh, your texts, your emails, and your calls. But, again, at 2.30, don't call in right now. The phone boards are closed. All right, let's bring in uh, – jo- what did you say, Juke? Juke. As Juke. A unit, let's bring in Juke. Juke. Josh and Luke Youngren from Evolving Hockey, Evolving Wild is the Twitter handle. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks oh, for, thanks having, for having, us. having us. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jinx. I'll, I'll start you, this yeah, off. Kick uh, us off here, You Judy. know what? I'm going to bring up a really old – timey debate in Canucks Twitter I suppose this year and it's about Tyler Myers and I don't know if Canucks Twitter is apt it's mostly me and Tom yelling at each other but I will point to the goals above replacement and wins above replacement model that you guys have put out there especially when it takes my side in an argument as it did with Tyler Myers and Tom would point to some of his underlying numbers whether it was his on ice statistics whether it was the fact that all of the defense players in the Canucks lineup fared better with him on their side than without him. How does one square the circle of the two differing results? And I'm going to pose this one to random draw Luke. Uh, how do you square those two results? Yeah, well, I was uh, kind of taking a look at it. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard. One of the problems with our, the, our, our GAR model or goals above replacement model is that it can be a little bit difficult um to kind of like when you see people bringing into like uh the conversation with wowies or uh with you without you stats because our model um doesn't really look at it that way i think a lot of the time when people use wowies they could potentially be cherry picking when it might be a couple you know pairs actually look pretty good but then you know the rest of his performance is really bad so it's kind of hard to, in my opinion, to really kind of draw a lot from just like looking at a couple wowies. But just from what I can see, I mean, you know, he, I don't know, Myers is, even back when he was on the Jets, I think he just is so big and everybody's like, oh, he blocks some shots and whatnot. But at the end of the day, his results aren't, they just end up <laughs> not really uh, being very impressive. And when you play him as much as you do, you're going to end up with uh, with some, not great looking uh, statistics, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think from a relative, generally we look at relative to teammate type stats, and that kind of combines all of a wowie or all every wowie together. And when you look at it through that lens, he actually doesn't come out looking very good. He actually looks pretty bad. So I think that's kind of where uh, his <laughs> his gar numbers are probably coming from. Is not necessarily his results with a couple players, but his results with the re- entire team. Well, and and one of the other things, too, that kind of stuck out for me with, with Tyler Myers is he's playing a lot, wasn't really producing as well. And something that I bring up when I cite your goals above replacement model is just that it is a descriptive model by your own admission. Do you think that's also a part of it as well? The fact that he hasn't produced, given the opportunities, given the ice time, is something that is impacting his uh, ability to move the needle positively at five on five? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that if you, I mean, this is a hard thing and kind of something that we've, I mean, I have and Josh has thought about too, um, is just if you take a player who they're a coach is, I guess, in our view, misidentifying their talents and they're playing them way too much. I think like, you know, um, 
players kind of like Drew Doughty right now who's getting a ton of minutes and is really underperforming or um, somebody like Jack Johnson or um, some of those Rasmus Kristalainen like I think that it's really an interesting concept to think about if you took so you know uh, Tyler Myers is getting about 21 minutes a game at all situations um, and if you took that and maybe reduced it down to I don't know 17 <laughs> 16 like is he going to look a little bit better um, is he going to perform better if you're putting him in a in a position where he might actually have a better chance for his skill set, given how big he is? I mean, I don't know how that works, but it seems like it could make sense that if you did reduce his minutes or look at different ways to deploy him, that it could maybe match his play style a little bit better and his guard numbers would increase. I can't say that for sure, but that's definitely a possibility. Uh, Josh, who's the analytics darling here on this uh, Minnesota Wilds roster? You mean an individual player? Or yeah, just, uh, yeah, like an individual yeah. player whose whose analytics are you know you guys just absolutely love, but some people might not necessarily you know know about. You're Josh Levo. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think uh, um, the the number one that comes to mind, and I think it's it's. I'll get to another player. I think Jared Spurgeon is probably the. It's the one I would go with right away. But I think at this point, he's, you know, based on how much Boudreaux talked about him before Boudreaux and before the last maybe the 16-17 season on, until now, um, he wasn't as identified by a lot of people. But I think now, you know, the, 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 the more uh, common, like, media members know about Jared Spurgeon. I think if I had to pick another one, I'd probably say Erickson Eck is, um, is a, a player that I think uh, – and I saw Thomas Strance, I believe, write about in, in him and – I think in the athletic piece kind of mentioned Eric Snack is like, you know, Canucks fans might not know about Eric Snack now, but they're going to after this series. And I think that that both from his tenacity and kind of how he irritates players is one part of it, but he's also one of the best defensive players on the wild. And I think that um, that's the thing I think it's important to keep in mind the wild. And it's been like this for the last two or three years is they're not, a, 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 as most people know, they're not a, a great offensive team, but from the defensive side, they really don't have a lot of players, if any, um, who are uh, even really a below average in a, from a defensive standpoint, from a skater standpoint. And so Eric Sinek is probably, um, now that Koivu has, has fallen off and has gotten more third, fourth-line minutes, Eric Sinek has been put in more of an elevated role in the top six uh, at, at times, and I think he's the one that right now comes to mind that people might not know about. Uh, Josh, as well as the uh, goaltending, when you look at the Canucks, you look at Jacob Markstrom, I mean, clearly, you know, the Canucks are in the position they are because of the way that Jacob Markstrom has played this season. When I look at the goaltending for the Wild, I see, you know, Devin Dubnik, who's had some success in the NHL, but Alex Stalock seems to have the better numbers this year, and uh, we were talking to uh, someone earlier on the station this week. I can't exactly remember who said it, but they said that Staylock, they feel, will be the starter I when the Dean series starts. I think Dean Evison was one was of it those Dean people. Evison? Yeah, well, yeah. He was giving him very lofty praise. You sure. guys clearly watch all the Wilds games this year. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think Staylock will be the one fighting it out versus Markstrom? Yeah, I, I I do. I think that uh, even towards I think um, Dubik had a tough year, and there it wasn't just his on ice play. He had some his wife had some health problems, and there was a lot of stuff just going on that uh, can, may have contributed to it. But Salak kind of did end up maybe taking over the position in season. Now, as a Wild fan, uh, and Wild fans will know this, I. You know, Salak seems like a great guy. Dubnik, also a great guy. The Wild have never, haven't had great goaltending for years. I mean, it's been a long time. And, you know, other than the, the year that Dubnik was traded here, which Dubnik really was, a, he was a great asset. And he was, you know, for the half season they had him after he came over from the Coyotes. Um, 
get looking at how the skaters from the log perform and, and the, what you would expect the goalie to be able to, you know, the, the kind of quality that a goaltender who plays behind a team like Minnesota, the, the quality that they face is so much lower than, uh, you know, the other end of it, basically. And, and, and so you, your expectation for a goalie is a little bit higher. While the Wild, their goaltenders have looked kind of average, if you just look at kind of your standard goalie stats, when you actually take into account team performance and what you would expect the goalie to save based on quality they're facing, both Dubnik and Stalock um, have not been very good. But I, that, that would be the, that's one of the big differences between the Wild and the Canucks is their goaltending is, is very, very different. In it. But I, I think Stalock probably will get um, the start, but they they've really haven't, uh, shied away from if you know it's been a couple bad games. Dubnik will go with Stalock, and and if Stalock's struggling, they'll get Dubnik back in there. It's really been kind of a partner uh, situation this season. We're speaking to Josh and Luke Younggren from EvolvingHockey.com. Hey Luke, I wanted to ask you. I mean, we we basically saw the money puck model come out this week, which gave the Minnesota Wild a sixty forty edge going into this series and that kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I mean you look at a small series like this the Canucks have the decisive advantage in net they've got the elite talent edge I feel like at least at forward relative to what the Minnesota Wild have but by that same token uh, the money puck model was the one that predicted the St. Louis Blues would win the Stanley Cup last year so clearly they they know what they're doing what have your analytical studies uh, any of your statistical modeling or work what is that revealed about the Minnesota Wild and Canucks, and who has the upper hand going into this series? Yeah, well, we haven't actually made a playoff model yet. I think we were talking about it, but with everything going on, it's kind of uh, hard to like really know. Other when priorities start up again. Yeah, but yes, exactly. But um, I think from kind of understanding Money Puck's model is it's heavily based on expected goals, um, and you know the Wild are kind of just like they kind of are just crushing it in five-on-five expected goals and their differential from an expected goals for and expected goals against standpoint. Um, so I think if you're looking at it that way, um, that's I'm, I'm not exactly sure what their model uses for um, everything to predict, but um, from what I've seen in the past, it seems to maybe potentially um, – uh, either miss out on some of the some of like well not miss out I mean you can't have everything in a predictive model like this so it's not a missing out it's just sometimes so from when I, if I'm looking at it and again we haven't made a uh, model of that like that to basically predict outcomes for this series but I would say that for me the things that jump out between this is just like is depth so um, the Wild are a significantly deeper team from a skater standpoint than the Canucks, but the Canucks have significantly higher end talent. So Pedersen um, is just, I mean, we had him in our top five skaters this season for like MVP hard talk. Um, so I think that, and then, and then also the goaltending. So it depends if they're playing Duke Nick um, and Pedersen is on the ice. <laughs> I'm, you know, if I'm a wild fan, I'm pretty scared about that. Um, so, I think that it makes sense from a standpoint of looking at expected goals for the, um, if you're looking at just how the Canucks and Wild stack up from an expected goal standpoint, um, that outcome kind of makes sense. I think Josh and I were talking about it, and we, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd, it's kind of a coin toss to me. I think that 50 50 and then a plus or minus 10 on either way kind of makes sense. Um, I think it's going to be a five game series. Um, and it's, I honestly, I couldn't really tell you just based on intuition. I think there's a lot of things going each way for each team. 
Well, one of the, the interesting things going for the Minnesota Wild is that they really seem to have caught fire under Dean Evason as coach. I mean, of course, it's only a sample of 12 games, but... I mean, you have to evaluate him on those terms, and I hope you'll forgive me right now because I'm using natural stat trick because they have a, a sorter by coach. Uh oh, yeah, let it slide, guys. I'm usually Uh-oh. I'm actually a Patreon to evolving hockey, and I think everybody should. Well, be. thank you, but oh, but well, thank you. They have the Wild uh, performing slightly better by Corsi four and expected goals under Dean Evason. What can you say about his coaching style and how it's changed the dynamic, whether it has or not changed the dynamic? And I'm going to direct this one towards you, Josh. What are your thoughts on the, the coaching change? Oh, man. Well, I think that it's, it's one of those things that we saw where it's the classic, you fire the coach, you get, a, you, know, you get a boost after the firing, regardless of who the coach is. I think from everything that I've heard that um, it, was, it didn't seem like there was a lot of uh, um, necessarily, uh, I guess, ill will towards Boudreaux. Um, I, it's, and from w- what we could tell in the short sample that Evanson was, uh, uh, was the coach, it, he kept kind of a similar line structure. He, he kept, it sounded like practice was relatively similar. You know, obviously some of Bruce's quirks were kind of removed from that, but I think that it's, and it, it was the smart thing I think is that he just kind of kept doing what he was doing and let, um, I think the team, uh, there, there were some reports about, you know, and I think you get this with skaters is that when you have a new, you know, you have a new coach in the room, uh, you have a, a new uh, face to look at. You have somebody new talking at you. You can, you can see that there's some uh, just the players are allowed to maybe just kind of play like a little bit looser or their play. And I think that you also saw that um, there was a real big push in the wild as they started to kind of get in that playoff line. You saw players like Fiala um, really explode towards the end of the last 12 games i i can't necessarily say there's been an obvious difference between the two coaches um i think that it was probably just that rebound after you got a new coach in there but um from everything we've seen it's been they look pretty good uh under under the new coach uh luke last one here the wild of course missing the playoffs uh last season they have been out of the first round since the uh, 2014-15 season taking a look at the roster right now what is it I believe half of the top 10 uh, scorers on the team are 30 or older. I mean, how concerning is it for the Minnesota Wild to, you know, to start to do something significant here, especially with the contracts that they have with Ryan Suter, 35 years old, Zach Parise, 35 years old, uh, who are, what, two and four in terms of scoring on the team? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Um that's always been kind of a, a concerning attribute for like the wild given the last couple of years is how their players are aging. I think the one thing we haven't talked about is that if the wild are able to get Kaprizov um, over, that would be a huge boost. And uh, <laughs> I think based on what everybody said about the player, um, but it would be an interesting thing, but that's really the thing is that the wild have never really had uh, that kind of, you know, game breaker type player like Pedersen, um, that that they could rely on to score consistently and that's i think been kind of one of their downfalls in the playoffs is when they needed a goal like they're just kind of they have to work for everything that they do and that's you know like the players you mentioned they're just kind of going out there and grinding that's always been parisi style koivu style too um they've never really had that elite talent so it it is concerning with the ages of their top players and i think that was um, has always been a point of contention with Suter and Parisi and Koivu's ice time, and there's always rumors about things in the blocker room and that, you know, if you reduce their ice time, blah, 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 and it's hard to really know exactly what's true, but I, I think it is a, 
a point where the fans have been asking for players like Fiala to get significantly more ice time and for them to drop down players like Koibu. Um, so, yeah, it is concerning, but I mean, I think from a depth standpoint, they do have the depth to be able to, um, as a group, contribute. Uh, it's just the problem is, say, they're down a goal and there's 10, 5, five 10 minutes left in the third. You know, you don't have a player like Pedersen who, you, who can just go out and kind of score whenever. Uh, yeah. And that's definitely always been kind of a concerning point for the Wild, I think, in the playoffs, especially given their goaltending and how kind of fragile that can be. Well, maybe Alex Galchenyuk will refine his game at some oh, point no. here. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Josh and Luke, yeah. uh, for joining us today. Sure, I'll crack the Canucks too. Why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, guys. And uh, hey, we'll circle back when the series happens, and uh, we'll get some more perspective from you too. Thanks, and, thanks and for joining. Also, before you go, stay safe. Hang in yes. there. I appreciate That's all right. you guys are saying on your yeah. platform. You're really adding a great angle to the discourse as it relates to the civil unrest going on in the United States. And you know what? We're a better hockey community for having you guys. So thanks for everything you do. Oh, thank thanks you so, so much, much for having us. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. All right, take care, guys. That's Josh and Luke Youngren from Evolving. Juke. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I thought I screwed it up again. No, no, no. Oh my I, God. I just looked at you like you did. EvolvingHockey.com. Uh, Evolving Wild is the Twitter handle for the... Uh, the guy. I couldn't, couldn't uh, figure out if it was Josh or Luke. They, talk, they sound they exactly sound the same. The exact but same. I'll tell you what, the information was fantastic there. Um, Good point the, about Kaprasov. I mean, yes. that could be a huge yeah. game breaker for and, a while. Oh, you can just see Canuck fans right now, right? If he gets oh, in there man. and They'll he makes a difference foul. and the Canucks lose the series, oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. I mean, Alexander Radulov did that for the Predators a few years yeah, back. He showed yeah. up after the trade deadline. That's right. So why yeah. wouldn't Kaprasov be able to? Yep, it's a great point. Yeah, It's I, a great point. Maybe they can get Nikita Triamkin in there, too. Well, that would just <laughs> then the Canucks win the series. Then the model that Money Puck has goes from oh, sixty forty completely for the wild. skewed at that. It point. goes sixty nine to thirty one for the Canucks. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at this, like, is, is there a more unsexy uh, franchise in the NHL than the Minnesota Wild? Oh yeah, I mean, like, like they play the ugliest hockey. Ugliest or hockey. No, they they did. I've heard they're a bit more exciting with Dean Evison, but like, there's something about that franchise that they're just infected. Um, I guess it's a really touchy word right now, but there's something <laughs> about that franchise where their DNA is to be boring. Yeah, absolutely. And to and, be forever stuck in and, hockey purgatory. And not only that, when you hear like Parise, um on the trading block, he was almost traded at the deadline there. It looked like the deal was, I don't oh, know. what. That it, would have been such a big moment. Hit an interesting snag too. there as well. But, you know, one guy that you, you, I mean, we obviously know Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter's been you know one of the better defensemen in the NHL for years, but... I mean, at 35 years old, still 48 points in 69 games. Like, you know, guy plays 20, just under, tw- or, uh, yeah, 24, 38 a night. Like, still going. But at the same time, it's like, man, we got to start doing something here because, like, time is of the essence, you know? And like yeah. I mentioned, you got, uh, you know, uh, Zuccarello there, 32, is one of their top scorers. You know, Parise, as I mentioned, 35. Eric Stahl, 35, still putting up points. But their highest leading score is just 54 points. So when they, when the twins, or when Juke talks about, you know, needing that guy to step up, I mean, I guess it's going to be Kevin Fiala at some point. Yeah. It's Kevin Fiala have to be. or Kirill Kaprizov. If, or if, yeah, exactly. Joel Eriksson Eck, who there were, there used to be a really like 
toxic element. Well, I don't want to say toxic. That's a bit harsh. I'm not even in the wild community enough to say that. But there was absolutely a virulent group within wild Twitter that was so angry that the team passed on Brock Besser for Joel Erickson Eck. I wonder if they're still feeling that way. Because oh, Erickson Eck is putting in one hell of a season. He, I mean, he's a great player, but, I mean, you got you know, Besser's your... I, I mean, like, yeah, Home state boy there. Like, I know, you know? it's uh, it's just interesting, I guess. Whereas it looked awful for a few years there. Now it's like, well, Eric Sinek is a center, and he's providing similar value, yeah. and yeah. It's, it's a bit more interesting. Okay, phone boards are open. You guys want to get involved? Six zero four two eight zero ten forty. Toll free one eight four four eight seven six ten forty. Or one eight four four TSN ten forty. There you go. You're dialed in to Rink Wide on TSN ten forty. Oh. I'm JD Burke. He's Andrew's wa- Andrew Watson. Like- <laughs> Stay tuned. Ugh. It's the best two hours of hockey talk in the market. The worst throw Your ever. voice for Vancouver Sports, TSN ten forty. Now more of Rink Wide on TSN ten forty. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watson. Welcome back to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. J.D. Burke alongside Andrew Wadden. We're here with you right up until 3 o'clock. I believe, Croker, that Ray and Dregs is after us. Could be oh. wrong. He's looking it up. Nope. Best of the highlight reel. Oh, best of the highlight reel with Karen Sermon. There, even better. Uh, in the inbox right now, in a pretty active inbox, kind of going all over the place. Phone boards are open, 604-280-1040. If you want to call in, 844-876-1040 is toll free. Uh, got a question to you. Coming from Kelowna, the phone number, but it's unsigned. Uh, folks, sign your text. Sorry, Matt. Uh, to JD, is the scouting community excited about this year's draft? Seems like everywhere I look, there are guys with high-end potential. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You say that going into every draft, and then people pick between 15 and 20 becomes their liners. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm excited about every draft. Um and I know that people in the NHL are as well, but, I mean, the the numbers are what they are, right? It's a really tough field to succeed in. So, uh, you know what, to that exact end, a lot of great talent, a lot of players around 15 that the Canucks could take, and they'd be looking pretty good for the future. But uh, only time will tell, I guess, right? Where are you as far as, like, I mean, Alexi, Alexis Lafreniere is going to be the number one overall pick. Way. But he, I mean, he's a winger still, though, right? So yeah. as far as the centers are concerned, you know, there's two that are, are, are the big boys. You know, Byfield and, and Stutzel. Stutzel is not a center. He's not a center. He's, he, he's going to be a winger? He's going to be a winger. 100%. So By, Byfield is the center to get in this draft. He's a natural center, but he played wing all this year, and I think that Stutzla... Byfield did as well? No, 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 oh. Stutzla. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what he's destined for at the NHL level. But Byfield is a center, and I think he's going to be one hell of a center at that. Like, it's it's very, um, I don't know, kind of the, the blend of power and skill. It's almost kind of Eric Lindros or, or Ta- Taylor Hall-esque in the, in the way that he can kind of... Make it happen when he has the puck on his stick, and he's so fast, and he's so skilled. And I think the big issue for him right now, and this is something that Rachel Dover's brought up in some of our scouts meetings uh, at Elite Prospects, is you know he's got to learn how to play with the puck in space. Like he seems to seek out contact a little bit much, uh, a little bit too much for her taste. But I think that's one of those kind of refinements that comes with getting older. And you have to remember with Byfield too, he's almost a full year younger than Alexi Lafreniere, so. I mean, uh, if that's the, the rubric for evaluation, you kind of have to adjust your sights a bit. I think he's still the number two prospect in this draft, and I think he's going to be a number one center in the NHL. How about this? You know, the Ottawa Senators have 
got themselves in a in a pretty pretty good position. Oh, hey, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not no not talking about Eugene on this show. I'm uh, sorry. We love to see it. Folks. It's just you we know like it. that's how it's going to work out. Uh, clearly, it's not going to work out. Although maybe I should bite my tongue there because they could walk away from this draft with a bona fide number one center in Quinton Byfield. Yeah, if they say they get the second pick of the draft. They could also walk away with, you know, perhaps Stutzel. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Stutzel? Stutzla? Stutzla. Stutzla. Uh, Don't mention the war. Or Jamie uh, Jamie Drysdale, uh, who, yeah. you know, is projecting as a, a, a you know, number one defenseman. I mean, they got, already got Thomas Shabbat there. Like, things are looking good for the Ottawa Center. Now, off the Until ice. Until they have to pay those players, but, and then they're well, all jettisoned sure. to start yeah. another rebuild. Yeah. Well, they you did know. pay Shabbat, though. And honestly, I think yeah. they're going to like the number that they gave Shabbat as, as things progress. He's a hell of a player. Where's Jamie uh, Drysdale in terms of, uh, you know, what's his ceiling? I think he can be a number one or two defenseman. I think he can be a top uh, top pairing guy. He didn't have the year that a lot of us wanted him to have. I mean, he was so phenomenal as a draft minus one player mm-hmm. with the Erie Otters, and we kept thinking that he was going to take another step this season. Now, of course, not the best environment. I mean, if you follow the OHL, you'd know the... The Erie Erie Otters aren't exactly one of the high-flying offensive teams. They don't really have a lot going for them, but we didn't see Drysdale elevate his play to to the level necessary to take that next step as a team. So, you know, he he still profiles as the best defenseman in this class, but I think the gap is shrinking between him and uh, Jake Sanderson, who is the son of Canucks legend Jeff Sanderson. And uh, you know what? I think they both have the potential to be number two defenseman, number one defenseman if everything breaks right. Um, you know, I think that there's some real upside there. As I kind of progress through these sort of mock drafts that I've been looking at, one name that kind of stood out to me, uh, Jack Quinn. Now, 52 goals in 62 games playing in Ottawa in the O this year. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, those are huge numbers. Yeah. But we've seen that before from players, and then they come to the NHL and just can't uh, quite. Well, obviously, duplicating that is not something you're going to do in the NHL. But, I mean, what are your chances, or what do you think his chances are of being, you know, an, a prolific scorer in the NHL? I'm not quite as fond of Jack Quinn as, say, somebody like Craig Button, who had him in the top ten on his board. You know, I think there's some real flaws in Jack Quinn's game that he's going to need to work out. He doesn't mm. really move off the puck. He doesn't support the puck carrier. He doesn't do a great job of making himself available. He's got a phenomenal shot, but I think there are some things that he needs to do to round out his game. But, I mean, look, once you get past a certain number of players, that becomes true of all of them, right? And I could come up with, uh, we, we've got a list of things that we want to see from Stutzla, for example. He's still going to be in our top ten. So, I mean, you have to be nitpicky at a certain point in the draft. I think that he's still a middle-of-the-first-round prospect, Jack Quinn, but uh, I think it's going to be harder for him to score as he rises up the ranks because of those reasons. And, I mean, having Marco Rossi feed you on the power play, it's going to be pretty easy to score a lot of goals in those situations. So uh, I I think that, frankly, his numbers perhaps make him look a little bit better than he actually is. But, I mean, when the numbers are that good, that just might mean that he's an excellent prospect rather than an elite one. And everybody could use a few of those in their system, am I right? Yeah. Uh, Marco Rossi, of course, projected to be a, a top 10 pick as well. We've talked about uh, Yaroslav Askarov uh, before here on the show. Um, you know, some of the mock drafts that I've looked at have him in the top 10. And, you know, we know that people say, oh, well, like running backs, you probably shouldn't take them in the first round, goaltenders. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. But uh, 
I see you know, Croker bobbing his head over well, there. He's still with okay, us. Okay, so check this out though. I I, I gotta oh, bring boy. I got I gotta bring this up because this was this earlier. This is a deep cut. This this was earlier in the show. Um, I mentioned how because you know we have the poll out today asking people whether or not uh, they think Colin Kaepernick should uh, could play in the NFL again, and I suggested listen, I'll take him on the Detroit Lions if he wants to be a backup for Matt Stafford. And I get a reply in the inbox from Max and Victoria saying, go Detroit Lions, too few of us fans here in BC. Now, I replied to him and said, you know, I think a lot of us are ashamed to admit that we are Detroit Lions fans, but you and I, uh, Max, are not. He replies, true, I have some good hope for our running game this year. I bet. And a healthy Stafford. There you go. I bet. Anyway, that's an inside joke here for those of you that don't uh, maybe not necessarily listen to the show as you should. Check out all the podcasts. Get yourself caught up. Uh, But we do have that debate about running backs and whether you should take them early and it kind of translates into goalies as well. So, But is Askarov one of those guys that kind of bucks that trend? Yeah, I think so to a certain degree. I mean, it's the question is like about maximizing value. It's not like whether a goalie can be... The, the goalies are by default the most valuable player on every team. They play the most minutes. They have the greatest impact on your team's ability to win or lose hockey games. The question isn't, are they valuable? The question is, how much are you willing to pay in terms of opportunity cost to maximize that value, right? So if you can get a goaltender in rounds two or three that is perhaps one level below Yaroslav Askarov, from an efficiency perspective, then that might be an interesting debate. I think that if you take Askarov anywhere after number 10 overall in this draft, you're laughing. I think he's two years away from being a starting goaltender in the NHL. Well, I mean, the, the one mock, mock draft that I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at a few here, but one has him Are going you looking at the one on Elite Prospects Rinkside, yes, or are you a cowardice trader? I am looking at the one on Elite Prospects. No, I'm not actually. I'm, I'm not. Uh, but I am looking at one that has... Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks at nine taking yeah, him. Yeah, you know spot. who else said that? Oh, who else? Me. Oh, good. Yeah, because yeah. I'm smart. Uh, no, it makes sense. If you look at the Blackhawks um, prospect pool, the only one, the only area where they're lacking really is in net. Yeah. And then you look at the fact that Corey Crawford is 35, and again, kind of like Michael Furlan, he's one swift breeze away from being out of the league forever, right? And they dealt Leonard. They dealt Leonard. Uh, so, I mean, there you go, right? Like, it seems like a perfect fit to me, even if they trade down a bit, maybe, or mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's one of those things where I think that that is such an obvious fit that it seems like it's just destined to happen almost. Uh, in the inbox, this is from Carmen from Chilliwack. Uh, this may have come up already, but do you know if uh, Le- uh, Levo or Furland will be able to suit up for the Canucks during the round robin? Does salary cap play a factor? Salary cap, no. No factor. It is the qualifying round has been determined the playoffs, Carmen, so therefore the salary cap is out. However, whether Le- uh, Levo or Furlan are going to be ready, we talked to Harmon Dial about this earlier in the show. If you missed it, you can check it out on the podcast. But basically, we don't know right now. I mean, there's been an update that Josh Levo has been of a, a bit of a setback. I mean, um, he broke his kneecap. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And then, of course, as we know with Michael Furland, it just it, we just don't know. I mean, he's come back and you know tried to skate and then couldn't do it. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. They could use him. They could definitely use him. You know, if Michael Furland is, you know, able to play Michael Furland's game, he can yeah. be a menace in the playoffs. Oh, and we've sure. seen it and we saw it firsthand, right? Uh, but Josh Levo as well. Jo- I think, I think Josh Levo doesn't really get uh, his due here in Vancouver. He's so good. He's a better player like, than we give him credit. Well, I shouldn't say that because I don't think people don't 
give him credit. I just think he gets lost in the shuffle, kind of. Sometimes, yeah. But I, I honestly think that the best iteration of the Canucks' second line this year was Levo, Pearson, and Bo Horvat. Yes. Like, they seem to Agreed. have the puck on their stick yeah. in perpetuity. Yeah. And they won every board battle. They were like hyenas for the puck. It was yeah. really something to see. And that, for me, like, I, I'm surprised that Travis Green ever went away from that group. I don't think they scored at a high level, but they really controlled play. Do you okay? I got a clip for you. Do you want to hear it on the other side? Sure. I know. I know. Trev's been on us about our clock. He's, he's already let's called hear it on the other side. He's already called me mid-show, so I don't want yeah. that anymore. Let's let's hear it on the other yeah. side. On the other side, we uh, Halford and Bruff, Huff and Puff in the morning. There, they were asked a question about who TSN's director of amateur scout or who from TSN ten forty would be the best director of amateur scouting oh you're going to hear it on the other side it's rink wide it's the show that always scores on tsn 1040 you're listening to rink wide on tsn 1040 here's Janie burke and andrew Watton. Yeah. Oh. welcome back to rink wide show that always scores jd burke's gonna do some uh Rapping for us here in the final. I, I just love Schoolboy Q, man. I like that. I love the drop. It was you finally got a song that actually got some energy coming in here. Can I just yeah. comment, Andrew? You're like one of the hip hop guys that I like. You love it, yeah. But like, whenever there's like <laughs> new hip hop, you <laughs> act true. like an old man who no. only likes ACDC. Yeah, thank you, right? like thank you. But Croker. I, know, I know it's Croker, not true, right? Here. Hold on, you shouldn't say only likes ACDC. You should say that only likes a tribe called Quest. No, but like, like, put it in the no, but he, you know, he's he's golden era hip hop, the best era of hip hop like, ever. It would yeah, seem yeah, like yeah, you the only era. It would of seem like when you hear this new hip hop, you're like, what? What is this? Well, somebody's got to play the old man role over here. All right, there, uh, Croker. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, who, okay. Who turned his mic on anyway. Sorry, I, it's just been bugging me. <laughs> oh, I, I, dude, how do you think I feel? It's just like I try to tell him about the joy that is listening to fantastic artists like I, I Lil got, Peep, I, Lil Xan. No. Um, Triple X Tentacio. Oh, God. <laughs> They're like Basso. Basso's like that, too. Basso always sends me this. Oh, dude, I just And I'm do like, it this is terrible. Off. Why I are you sending it? To piss it you sounds off. exactly like the, the last song you sent me. No, you sent me some good UK grime. Let's get into oh, it. Oh, God. All right. Uh, hey, why don't we play Halford yes. and Bruff? Yes. Okay, let me tee it up. Okay. So, Halford and Bruff were asked. Uh, it was a, what would you, would you, no, not would you draft. Ask us anything, I think. Yeah. Boy, they got a lot of crutches on that show. Anyway, they were asked. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're asked who from which TSN 1040 personality um, would be the best director of amateur scouting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is what they had to say. Okay, Just read it out. We'll play it. If you guys it. were the GM of an NHL team, which TSN 1040 colleague would you rather have be the head of your scouting department? Matt wrote scoring, but I think he meant scouting department. Yeah. Would you let that person have complete and total autonomy and make all draft selections? Who would you pick? I feel like if it was J.D. Burke, he would know a lot about the players, but you'd end up with a lot of Goldobans. Yeah, J.D. would be like the logical one. It's like yeah. what he does for a living. Exactly. I think it would be J.D. And then I'd be like, and then here's the thing. If, if, if J.D. was your head scout and he was bad at it, it would be kind of fun to like admonish him afterwards, right? Yeah, like you, you know, you, you, could hold, you could hold his feet to the fire. And you, you said and you, this was an exact and science, you, and, and you, you were the scientist, and you could totally throw him under the bus. Be like, frankly, I think his this communist here um, <laughs> deserves to be fired, and then people would support you, right? Yeah, 
It's all about <laughs> it's all about the corporate games that you can play. Would there be anyone else that would even be qualified? I guess Donnie coaches. <laughs> you get a lot of meat and potatoes from Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'd unearth the kid. He's like, I got this kid in Port Moody. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. So, mm. your your thoughts, uh, Comrade Burke? Well, I think that I am the obvious choice, <laughs> and I'm not even concerned because I would do such a damn good job that it would never be an issue. How about Bruff using admonish? That's a very Sakaris. That's a very Sakarisy word. It's very Sakarisy. Very Sakarisy. Is, is, is Jason Bruff, and it's only the three of us here, right? Yeah. Is Jason Bruff becoming Matt Sakaris? Holy crap. That's right? the meanest thing you've ever like, said is to he? Bruff. That's the meanest thing you've ever well, said. Well, he'll probably to. send it out in a. a, a, a Take one of my texts and put it out on a tweet. Wow, anyway, so. I'm going to direct Ruff towards that. I'm going to let him know that you said that. That's okay. We're working together on Monday. Oh, yeah. There's going to be fists flying. He's I mean, doing my show, my show, my show. I, with, I, with always, I always thought that was Matt's No, line. that's Blake. And that's, yeah. I can't do a Blake impression, though. I can't do it. Well, your other ones aren't great either. Oh, come on. People love my impressions. Okay. okay. We're not going to. Don't trot them out. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to hear him. Uh, um, I'll do it, Andrew Wanted. That's all right. That sounds like the Moj, though. Yeah, it does. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> do it, the Leafs. They keep losing hey, to the Bruins. Look at this in the inbox right now. Guys, I've been calling Bruff Sakaris Jr. in the inbox for weeks. Well done. Well, you've just made, well a, new, done. You've made a new ally out of J.D. Burke. Welcome to the team. Um. Yeah, what else can I say? Yeah. Anyway, I, honestly, I like that little bit. It, it was a would you rather. Like I said, I couldn't uh, couldn't figure it out. Uh, guys, we want to thank uh, Harmon Dial for joining us as always. Harmon is uh, bi-weekly basically here with us. as him and Thomas Drance. Number uh, one on my Athletic Vancouver Power us, Rankings. Uh, each and every week. Uh, every other week, that is. And uh, Josh and Luke Youngren from... Uh, EvolvingHockey.com. Check out the website, guys. Especially if you if you're one of those people that likes to dive into the analytics. Uh, pretty cool site there as well. Want to thank uh, JD as always for joining us. Want to thank everybody in you're the inbox welcome. today that was chiming in. Uh, the guy that asked us about calling uh, coward. Calling coward. I, I think he's calling him a coward. Anyway, uh, yeah, we talked about it. Who cares? Honestly, who cares? Who cares if America doesn't like hockey? We love it. And also they do. It's just different on a market-to-market exactly. market basis. It's such an atomized you don't, society. You don't, need to be, you don't need to qualify your love for hockey. Yeah. Just like, love uh, the game. But you know what you do need to qualify your love for? Mm. Rink wide on TSN 1040. Look it up on podcasts. If you're an Apple user on Stitcher, I don't know, wherever the hell you get your podcast. If you're still in the 80s with a PC, yeah. give us a five-star review, a nice rating. Say very good things about me especially. My ego needs Yeah, he it, needs people. it. He I need it. it. I don't need it. For J.D. Burke, I'm Andrew Wadden, Jason Croker for producing the show. The Highlight Reel Best Of with Karen Sermon coming up. Keep it locked right here on the Mighty 1040.